Hey, it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. Hey, I'm Dr. Lisa, and I give a shit. You know what I fucking give a shit about today? Like something I've been thinking about a lot is this is this horrible um, sexual harassment thing because uh, we've all, us chicks, have been sexually harassed. And it's all very upsetting, and it's all coming out now, and everybody has a story. But I think what's really fucked up, what's really bothering me, I mean, I have my own stories. You, I mean, I could tell them to you, but it's, you know... Th- th- you know, I've I've been asked, I've been like feeling like I've had to fuck people to keep my job, even though I wouldn't fuck them. Um, but nevertheless, it's like every woman has a story. But how come until something like this has happens, you know, Donald Trump, uh, find, we're finding out he molested, he, he that he's grabbed all these pussies for real. Until that comes out, how come we haven't been able to say anything? How come no one's ever listened to me? How come, like, when I... We don't feel heard. We don't feel heard. But now we do, guys. And we know, you know... So, it's this is a good thing. This is going to be really good. Uh, anyway, um, I also... So, you get it. You know what I'm saying. Uh, but I'm realizing I need to tell you something really big that's happening at the radio station. We have a record store here now. It's called Secondhand Records. It's run by this really awesome guy, Frederico. Uh, I'm stuck in his name. I call him Fernando by accident, but you call him Frederico because I'm learning it. Anyway, he's got, um, like, it's an amazing store. It's got a great collection of new and old 45s, LPs, 12-inch singles. The prices are great. Uh... And if you can dance to it, uh, they sell it. So you can actually come into the building that is our radio station now and buy Radio Free Brooklyn merch and records, okay? And know that the radio station, like I'm live in the basement right now. It's like this amazing evolution of what was just a radio station in the basement of a bike shop is now a wholly integrated radio station record store. I'm, I, I'm, I think I'm crying. I think I'm going to cry. Except I never cry. I wish I could because it, it's a great release, but I, I've like buried everything too deep. But I want to uh, bring on my guest who is... Um, yeah, he's. I, I already just told him that I was intimidated by him. This is the counter-transference part because he's probably like the ideal open-minded person. That's my impression of him. And he's also like a super over overachiever. I don't know. He he does like too many. Th- he's a little into. He's a little intimidating. I mean, it, he's a little intimidating, but he's got a lot of humility. So we're going to get through this. So is it Christoph or Chris? Well, on Facebook, Christoph Carr. Uh-huh. Uh, my real name is Christopher, and only my mother calls me that. Most people call me Chris. Uh, okay, Chris. Yeah. So this is my impression of what I know about Chris. Chris is the creative brain instigator behind Brooklyn Wildlife, right? Correct. And to me, that's like the coolest. I mean, I'm not the coolest brand name around Bushwick. <laughs> like... Like, I'll tell you something. I had uh, a friend of mine had a birthday party and invited uh, 
Chris and a bunch of other people. And then after the 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 place cleared out, I saw, wow, somebody left Brooklyn Wildlife Cards. Man, this place is cool. This is happening. And then I put it together that it was my friend Dallas, Dallas Athen, who's a great writer and artist. And it's her friend, Chris, Chris Carr. And so that's how I put it all together. And that's how I got Chris on the show. And he was really, you know, I was impressed how, uh, I'm going to tell you something, Chris. I was impressed how friendly you were about coming on the show. You were really like, yeah, I want to do that. You know, you weren't like cool and standoffish about it. And I appreciate that. No, I appreciate you inviting me. Um, I'd like to say hello to all the listeners out there. And I, I enjoy the opportunity to have these discussions when the subject you opened up with, I care about also. And um, I've, you know, being a man, I'm in the group of people that being need- a hot man. Sorry. <laughs> He's sexy. Are you a hetero? Or are you pansexual? What is it? I don't. I don't have the the categories in general. I've only found myself attracted to women. Okay, um, but I don't. That's biology. That's your biology. You know, but I, I don't. I don't discount the possibility of certain things happening, and I would never yeah. want to have to like. So, would some... you have a threesome with me and my husband then? If everyone was cool with it, yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll ask him. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm definitely going to ask him. Okay, um, go ahead. But what I was saying, like being a man, I'm I'm in the group of people that needs to inform themselves and teach themselves to not violate boundaries to learn more about consent to understand that the human body is not proprietary and you can't have these expectations of other people um and it's usually men that are encroaching upon women's territory and so my mom worked as an attorney and i helped wow. her doing sexual harassment training and so wow and, really and eo yeah oh, so wow. at howard university We'd have to go and talk to doctors that they're not allowed to corner the nurses or the students or whatever. Wow. Uh, we had to talk to professors, tenured professors who were like, you can't fire me. You have no power over me. My mom figured out how to fire those people and using the law. And so, yeah, we have a long way to go. But as men, as women, as community, we can work together. As men, we can learn how to not violate. And so I'm, I'm glad that people are talking about it. I'm yeah. glad people are bringing it to the forefront. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's good to hear that from your point of view, too. Well, that's interesting. So your mom, your mom is like the golden example. That explains a lot. You had like a really fucking killer ass heart uh, mom. Oh, she's awesome. Yep. Shout out to mom. <laughs> Shout out to mom. So I want to... Uh, I want to uh, get this. I'm feeling like I want to get this. Or I'm taking control. Look at me. Um, so I try. Before we really get into it, um, and I want to talk about like who you are as a human. Okay. Uh, but I want people to understand like who you are uh, in the moment, and it's really hard for me. Like I feel like I could take up an hour, the whole hour, or the whole. 52 minutes just explaining all the things you've done but this is just one line from a quote about you from 2013 uh so there's probably more to add but you're a veteran of the bushwick diy culture scene chris is somewhat of a modern renaissance man see what i'm saying he's a self-sustaining photographer is that how you make most of your money i have um a number of revenue streams but is that a big one uh, photography occupies like probably the largest percentage of it. Yeah, so you should go look up his photographs on what is it? E- what is it? 
my my photo company is Eat the Cake NYC. Yeah, and, and that's you do mostly event photography. Mm-hmm. You know, weddings, food. It's really good shit. T- I'm telling you, I was an art director in advertising for 25 years. It's good shit. So he's a self-sustaining photographer. He's a videographer. He's a rapper, writer, producer, promoter, exhibitionist gallery artist, party host, and thoughtful social critic, and you're also half of Gambazine, right? Yes. So is there anything that I missed? Are all those things still relevant now from yes. 2013? Where did you find that? That's awesome. I, I need to find oh, yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Well, you a, know, journalism. That's good research. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good interview. Um, I'll think of it in a minute, but it was from a longer interview from 2013 about you. Yeah. I mean, I... I I'm evolving as an artist mm-hmm. and as a creative, and mm-hmm. so at various times I'm making more music or doing more shows as a rapper. At other times I'm planning shows as a producer or event planner. We do about three to four shows a week. In the past year we did over like 120, 130 shows. Um, and I work with a lot of artists. Every summer we throw a huge summer festival that's music, art, burlesque, dance, theater. We have over 150 live performers. Wow. It's Eight days, ten different events, no sponsorship, all indie. And and that's the thread for me is in my photography and my music and what we're doing with your radio show. It's indie. It's heartfelt. It's personal. There are no corporate hands in the box. There are no people who can threaten me with if you don't say this or if you do say this, we take the money out. Mm-hmm. We work with the community. We try to provide an actual experience that's going to be mm-hmm. unique, that's going to be diverse, that's going to overlap culture. You know, you go to certain events and it's so either homogenous or the the scene's kind of monolithic and we work to break down those walls. So you have obviously a huge uh social social agenda which is cool like a I, you know like a um trying to improve society social I'm, culture. I'm worried about that. Like I don't know if it's like I don't know what improves society. I don't know if society ever works properly, but I know that the people I'm around, have once. They social have consciousness. That was the word I was yeah. looking for. You have a lot of social consciousness. So um, anyway, so it's also overwhelming to me to think of how you manage to do all that. Are you a workaholic? Do you have like crazy amount of energy? Where do you, how do you do it? I'm a wizard. That, that's oh, not you're not. You're people. a non-human. I just. I'm. I'm human. I'm not a mutant. Do you sleep? I'm just a wizard. Very little. You don't need a lot of sleep ever. I mean, I could use it, but it's just not happening. I. I live with two other people, so depending on how their schedules are, they're up late. They're up early. I have a very erratic schedule doing photography or doing art and music. I sometimes get home at 5 in the morning. I sometimes have to go to work at 5 or 6 in the mm-hmm. morning. Do you have any kind of like regular job at all? I view what I do as a job, like full time. Yeah, no, yeah. but you have like different things that you make money from, but there's no like – when you say you have to get up 5 o'clock to go to work, that's your schedule. If If you were to hire me to do a photo shoot – Oh, at 5 o'clock, yeah, yeah. you would show yeah. up, sure. Yeah. Well, I will never hire you to do Photoshop at that hour. You, I promise you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so uh, have you always been this way? Were you like a really good student in school and stuff like that? It's difficult to say. I tested well and I went to good schools, but I didn't care. Were you always a hard worker, though? No, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, for things that I don't care about, I don't want to put any effort into it. And so school was difficult. It was a situation of, wow, you're good at math. You should do this AP calculus class. Why the hell do I want to be doing calculus math problems after school for two or three hours? Because some person says I'm good at it. So then I didn't get good grades in those classes <laughs> because I wouldn't 
That I'd sounds rebellious. The, yeah, I'd wait till the night before to study for like oh, tests. Man. I'd write my papers. I've had a 10 or 12 page paper. I started writing it the day or two before. I was bad with the procrastination because I wasn't yeah. in the right life path. I was right. doing what other people were telling me to do. Well, that's what school's about. That's you what know? childhood, that's what, you know, that's what everything until like 25 is about pretty much. Yeah, and, well, I think some people find their lane within that. There are some people that are yeah. interested in, in impressing their teachers or they're interested. Or they in, just happen to love math. Yeah, or they like math. <laughs> I didn't. And, or, or they love social studies. Yeah. Or and, they're freaks. Yeah, they're freaks. They like. They like social studies or yeah. they like calculus or something. Um, I just want to uh, mention your, okay, so your, your, your resume, as I see it, is pretty, pretty impressive. You went to um, more, you studied sociology at Morehouse College. So that makes sense. Morehouse is a really uh, com- competitive school, right? It's an effort. Uh, what do we say? Black, historically, black, historically black. Do black we say college. black or African American? I don't even know. Well, no one in my family is from Africa. Everyone's American, so I'll I'll take black, black right? Take black, yeah, I, I or say who says African American anymore? An American of African descent, I can take, but but who says? But does is that do. used at all? Yeah, for political correctness, a lot of white people in front of me, I can see them try to sort out what they want to use. Are they allowed to say black? Are they should they say African American? What would the New York? What's the New York Times use? Do you I know? see a lot of African American. African American. That's yeah. ridiculous, right? Because that's also confusing about Obama. Because Obama is not an African. He well, actually is an African American. That's why it's. Confusing. Yeah, you're right. He is an African American. But you know, see, the whole thing about lineage is that. Well, here's what we really. And I don't want to digress, but we're digressing because I want to find out more about you. But the thing is, African. They're African. Black people in this country that have come from slavery is a whole uh, lineage that Americans don't want to discuss, right? Yeah, or is a difficult not. topic. We don't want to own that. I, I, I notice. <laughs> yeah, but like you, there's a lot of, there are a lot of like people who, who are relatives that were slaves. Well, there, there's also another thing that, that people have forgotten. Africans came to America before Europeans did. And you can look in Mesoamerica and whether it's with the Olmecs or whether it's with certain groups that interacted with the Aztecs, whether you look at actual navigation and boating. And the Moors came to America during the time of slavery. So not all black people in America are from uh, the slavery process. And people, well, of course, yeah. Um, and so, trying to they're understand pre- before the slavery process, but but even uh, during, we, but we but we fuck over the Native Americans, so we're not going to respect those people anymore. Yeah, and so <laughs> any better to... than we res- pay respect to the Native Americans? That's terrible. I mean, like we. Oh, so it's it's getting to the. I would ask people to just research the history of this research, country. and just then the but there's a distinction, you know, between. But anyway, we could get into that. Um, but yes, the, to the, give you a brief background, though, I, I went to Morehouse College. It's a historically black college in Atlanta. Martin Luther King went there. Wait, what years? How old are you? I'm 38. So and what year did you go there? 96 to 2001. And was it? Is it all black? All black. Yeah. Is it still all? Do you have to well, be black? No, no, no. Any of the historically black colleges or universities accept students of any race or oh, ethnic background. Oh. What you see is apparently most people self segregate, and so a white kid it's in true. Nebraska would be like 
and it wouldn't find out like, oh, I could go there. He would assume we wouldn't want him because that's how white society worked. They wouldn't let in the black people. They wouldn't let in the homosexuals. They wouldn't let in whatever. And any historic black college has white people. So were there white people? Did you know any white people at Morehouse? Yeah, my homie Dave. He, and, uh, he, he <laughs> home, is he Jew? <laughs> no, 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 no. Somebody dates Jews. No, no. And there is a huge overlap between the Jewish community and historically black colleges because uh, state schools in the United States early in this century, in like in 20th century, wouldn't hire Jewish professors either. But oh. historically black colleges would. Oh, I didn't know that. So That's so interesting. Yeah, there's a professor at Columbia in the history department, Eric Fauner. His brother taught at Lincoln University, which is historically black college university. So but, anyway, this is weird, too. So then uh, you studied medieval and Renaissance studies at Columbia University. That's weird. Which part? The the subject matter or the school? Mostly the subject matter. The yeah. school makes sense to me. Well, I was interested in capitalism as an economic form when I was coming out of college, and I had been researching Adam Smith, Wealth of Nations, Rousseau, oh. Social Contract, getting into Marxism, ideas of like capital and how we define property ownership and the systems that allow for commercial exchange. And everything I was coming across kept saying, well, this developed out of the feudal time period. It developed mm-hmm. out of uh, land rights and the growth of the church mm-hmm. and development of these legal systems. So I wanted to study that time period and do an interdisciplinary course mm-hmm. so I could take classes from literature, from philosophy, economics, history. And I ended up being able to create basically my own area of interest. Mm-hmm. You know, they give you right. certain courses you have to take, but right. it was a lot more freedom than any of the other. So what were you imagining program. you were going to do with all that? Figured I'd write books and teach in a university. And I dropped out after I finished my coursework. Like it was a, a mid-career program for most people. Most of the people I was in school with were 40 at the uh-huh. time. Uh-huh. I came right out after college. Right. And it was great. The experience I had, the information I got, but I was going to events and I was going to the, you know, teacher, professional, this is what you're going to do once you finish your thesis stuff. And I realized the world of that academic scene was too ivory tower. It was too separated oh, yeah. from oh, real life. Oh, man, you're so right. I and, think you're right about that. And yeah, it, was, it just it's got really high. relegated, like very... Very uh, yeah, predictable and no color, not enough coloring outside the lines for me either. Yeah, and and there were just certain elements of socially. Mm-hmm. I knew I wouldn't be able to hold my tongue. <laughs> I I I do see race, class, gender issues in society. Oh, yeah. I don't want to be preoccupied with it. I don't want to mm-hmm. like be totally um, fixated on that. But when you're doing medieval studies, and my <laughs> my thesis dealt with the ideological construction of orthodoxy and heresy. Looking specifically whatever at that, whatever that means, that's way <laughs> over my head too, guys. Don't think you have to know that. Yeah, I was looking specifically the, at the, the next, the next, the next session. Session will have like a little lecture on all this stuff. <laughs> I'll talk about all that. I know, uh, I, I know you will. I'm not. I'll be out of here. You yeah. can just take over. I don't want it. It's boring. No, no, but, it's not because there's a lot of fucking and killing in the medieval there, oh, times. Oh, it was it was so insane. Yeah, um, right. But I. I went from that, and when you study that, people are left in that time period. So when you try to talk about mm-hmm. modern times, they don't know about it. Like my other professors or socially, they didn't research what's happening in certain communities they weren't a part of. They were going on summer vacation in Vermont. They were in their like <sighs> second house in Connecticut 
because they only taught three days out of the week and made enough money to go write books out of state for the other half. Scam. And so, Scam. Oh, wow. That's injustice right there. It seemed like an awesome professional track. I'd be making over $100,000 a year. i work nine months out of the year, write books and travel yeah. the rest of it. But socially, I would have gone crazy. I yeah, no, no, it. no. You, you, yeah, no. A waste of time for you. Um, I want to your your background. I'm I'm so interested in how you grew up and stuff. So I want to get to that. But like first, I want to do. I'm I'm. This is like my personal challenge. And Chris, you're going to help me with this. I have to work in three station IDs during every hour. And it's really hard for me because you know what I mean? I feel like it interrupts the flow. That was the one the right conversation. Now. So I'm going to do it right now. And then at some other point, I'm just going to go rogue and say it again. So you're listening to uh, Radio Free Brooklyn. It's Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit um, with Chris Carr of Brooklyn Wildlife. Thanks for listening. And now we're going to find out about Chris's childhood. So, Chris, where did you grow up? Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. And what did your mother was... Tell us what your parents did. Uh, well, I was raised by my mother. My parents dated when they were both in law school and realized they shouldn't date anymore. And then probably six or seven years after that, got back together. She got pregnant. They tried to figure out if they could make their lives come together. He had already been working as an attorney in Chicago. She had been working as an attorney in D.C. Uh-huh. He wanted her to move. She said no. And... As their relationship kind of devolved, you know, there were some issues where he behaved in ways she found unacceptable. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I see her as such a strong person that mm-hmm. she decided to raise me with her side of the family. Mm-hmm. And she never spoke badly about him. We didn't take mm-hmm. him to court and try to get him for money. Mm-hmm. You know, we just. You just I, you just family, did. You, you know? just you just moved on with your lives. Yeah. In the, in the best way possible. And, obviously, and we were lucky. Like my grandparents were very involved. My my grandfather, grandmother, my aunt was involved. So you had a big extended family, small which, family. So we were tight. Oh, nice. I have a really small family. Did you all live near each other? Yeah. So that would be your grandmother. Yeah, my grandmother and grandfather live like ten minutes away. Mm-hmm. My aunt, at, when she moved back to D.C., lived with them. Then. You know, it was my mom in the house, and my mom was working at Howard University. Mm-hmm. So even though she was an attorney, she wasn't like a trial attorney the majority mm-hmm. of her life. She did a lot of community work, and so she worked at Neighborhood Legal Services. Mm-hmm. She worked at Howard University teaching pre-law mm-hmm. and helping advise students to get into mm-hmm. law school. And at different points in Howard University, mm-hmm. she was the uh, assistant dean at the law school wow. and then worked in the general counsel's office. Wow! Um, but when you work at a historically black college university, you are doing a lot of community work. You're not getting big lawyer paper money. Mm-hmm. And so our, our family is one that you have to work hard. You have to contribute to the community. Mm. My aunt was an educator and mm-hmm. worked in the museum field trying to oh. get museums to create programming that would mm-hmm. be more attractive to mm-hmm. young people of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so even though like I was, if someone would hear that and be like, oh, you were raised by your mom, like single parent household. Like I had all the love in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, my mm-hmm. grandparents were, it was almost yeah, like. Yeah, you had your grandpa, you had a guy around. Yeah, and students, like because of the university, ah. my mom would, like if there were students who couldn't afford housing or that were really good academically, but if they were international students, they couldn't get financial aid, she would let them stay in our basement oh, or stay in the guest rooms. Oh, that's great. I bet you that's really healthy. That's really emotionally healthy idea, I think. Was it? 
Yeah, I mean, so did I, did that? Did those people make an impression on you? For sure. And did that kind of open you up as far as being accepting to people? I mean, that's that's a great intimacy builder because you have like people that are welcome into your home to live. I mean, that's beautiful. My mom should have done that. Maybe <laughs> I wouldn't have turned out like this. But never mind. What about your dad? What happened? Are you? Do you, is he in your life? Was he ever in your life? Or not what happened all. there? I mean, literally, but before I was born, they decided they were not going to try to make it work. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't named for the first however many days because they kept arguing about it. Mm. And finally, my grandfather was like, look, if that baby dies, you haven't named it yet. Mm. They won't know what to do. Give the baby a name. Mm-hmm. And and they, you know, figured out. I, I was also born hella premature. Oh. Like, my mom had fibroids, really bad fibroids. Yeah, and right. And had been told that she could not get pregnant from the time that she was like really? 26 or 25 or 27 or something. Oh. So when she got pregnant at 34 oh. and had fibroids, as soon as my pulmonary, respiratory, and coronary was together, they pulled me out. Oh, and that's also really interesting. Your mom was 34 when you were born, which is like unusual. Like the whole, that's unusual for, um, well, and now I understand why she, I mean, that she got pregnant by accident. And then also that's late in life for somebody to have an unplanned pregnancy of that nature, right? That oh, she wouldn't have been married or settled session. down. That was like when, when I was yeah. younger and, and like I was dealing with some anger issues and we were trying to figure out what to do. It's like, do you go to the church? Do you talk to the pastor? Do you do the therapy? A lot of black people are uncomfortable with therapy. And my mom was like, look, when I got pregnant with you, I was not expecting it. I had not planned yeah. on it. I was told the opposite. I was told that would never, ever happen. So, of course, I had to go to a therapist. I had to figure out what I was going to do with my life. I had to figure out what was going on. Yeah. And, of course, people were telling her to have an abortion at the time. Sure. For her own safety. Sure. Oh, oh. Because of the fibroids oh. and, and the, the child can yeah. then cause internal bleeding. It can be very and, dangerous. And I know that for a fact. Yeah, I've heard, heard. I had a friend who had that. I mean, she was fine, but yeah. yeah. And so, so it was a big deal. So my mom yeah. uh, definitely. She really <laughs> wanted you, though. Yes. She was like, "This is my chance." Well, she probably never thought it was going to happen. It's a really pretty big, pretty big gift. So, so was your dad not part of your life then at all? I, I got a birthday card once a year until mm-hmm. eighteen. Mm-hmm. We invited him to high school graduation. No you response. did college graduation. No response. I think last time I saw him, I was in fourth grade, and he was kind of a dick. Sorry, can I curse? Fuck yeah. Okay. Um, and told my mom I was spoiled and that she, you know, did the, like, not involvement, but I'm going to tell you how to do shit role. Even though he was never, it wasn't even like he popped in once a week, once a month. Like, literally, I saw him as a baby and I can't remember. And then I saw him in fourth grade. And other than that, I don't think so. So, and, but then you still had enough of um, a feeling about him or a curiosity or what was it that, like, how did you want, you invite him to your high school and college graduation? My mom thought it was a good idea. You, like, did your mom? Did your did you? How did did your mom tell you to invite him, or what was your feeling around that? Can you remember? No feelings. Like it's it's weird because I've never really known him, mm-hmm. or I haven't known him at all. There's no loss. There was nothing. No difference in my life. So I didn't realize something was off until I kind of got into school. Mm-hmm. And other people had two parents and they're doing the like three legged race and the dad. Comes <laughs> oh, Jesus. And we got to figure out, you know, like, well, what happened here? So I, there wasn't a um, an impetus more than, hey, you're graduating. Do you want to invite your dad? But, it was but like, did sure. it ever did it ever like did it ever make you think like did it ever create any sort of sense of 
sense or feelings in you of like, you know, what happened to him or like what he did? Did you ever think like, why did he? I'll be honest. One of the most dangerous things to another human is a man. And so growing up in a house with somebody that at some point might want to fight with me because I don't listen to them or might want to feel like their pride is hurt and want to physically take it out on me. I don't miss that. I've seen my friends who grew up with two parents. Some of them have lovely, amazing families. Mm-hmm. There are also some men that aren't healthy to be around young kids, that aren't healthy to be so around. So you saw women. in your friend's home some, like, not such great... Did you see some nasty daddy daddying? Well, I saw enough you s- variety. What, what kind of... Um, did you grow up in... It sounds like, did you go to public school, like a middle-class neighborhood? Was it integrated? Was it... Uh, my neighborhood was majority black. Uh, there uh-huh. was one white kid, Alex, who lived down the street. Uh-huh. Mostly Did he get class. beaten up? No. Well, we all did. Like, not more than <laughs> right. anyone else. I got picked on for going to the white school and listening to rock music and skateboarding. Oh, yeah. He got picked on for being the new kid in the neighborhood. Right, and he right. He got picked on because his brother was older and then yeah. beats up all the yeah. little kids. <laughs> you know? Right, right, right. So, um, but um, it was like a pretty regular middle-class neighborhood. I guess. Yeah. I mean, not a lot of crime or something like that. Oh no, no, no! no. I mean, but like DC, regular, was, yeah. DC was messed up though. I grew up in a time period where the crack was out there, out there, and so mm-hmm. you could. In order for me to get to school, I had to take the bus down through an area where, while I'm waiting to transfer, people mm-hmm. are out on the block selling drugs mm-hmm. and people fighting, people mm-hmm. shoot out there. Mm-hmm. So I can grow up in a nice neighborhood, but if I go, f- yeah, 10 no, minutes, I know DC is a rough town. It, it was, it's it nice was <laughs> particularly that. No, I understand that, but like the the thing is, it wasn't like I'm trying to understand your friends fathers because it sounds like they had an influence and i just want to be clear that it's not like you lived in uh you know like in a bunch of uh like in a place where i just wanted to know like if if that was common if there was a bunch of drug addicts all around so it was a normal middle class neighborhood but is there i wonder if there's a memory that you can relate about um your your a friend's father that might have stuck with you do is there something that stands out in your mind or what did you see no it's more so like uh, the school I went to growing up was part of the cathedral system. So I went to Beauvoir for elementary school and then St. Albans. Mm-hmm. And so the Gore kids went there, like senators' kids, people who ended up being presidents. Uh-huh. But it was like a that. public school. Private school. Private oh, it was a private school. Private school. And how did, how did you get, and, did, your, did your mom want you to go to, did your mom pay for you to go to private school? Yes. Uh, but okay. I went on scholarship. I, okay. Um, so, so basically, like, I, just to give a quick breakdown yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to my personal history, I was born in an all-black neighborhood. My family is very matriarchal, mm-hmm. and I went to all-black church, mm-hmm. and I was running around crazy, and my mom was like, doctor, fix this. And the doctor mm-hmm. was like, no, we're not giving him, there's nothing you can do. The kid just has energy. So when you send him to school, he, he can't go to a public school, because they're doing open classrooms, where they're oh. second and first grade in the same room, just facing the opposite oh. direction. And so my mom put me in private school where they also teach reading earlier. Uh, I had already started reading before. Got it. So I got, now this is what I do remember. I get to kindergarten and when I'm like, hey, I want to read this book, the teacher was like, no, 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 you're not ready for that. And I was like, yeah, I am. And they would (laughs) not believe me. My mom had to come in and explain to them that I already knew how to read. And there is some inherent systematic racism there. And um, because they're trying to get the other kids who didn't know how to read to read the stuff they wouldn't let me read. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, And so then in that environment, I got to dismiss, dismiss, the myth that having money makes people happy. 
that two parents ah. in a household it automatically makes you happy ah. that having a certain type of job makes you an honest legitimate person huh. i got to see people that on the outside it is the epitome of the american dream really so and, what did you see there like give us some examples of what what you remember from what you what influenced you I mean, like, like I was like horribly mean parents, like people that would. That you were, mean did, were there a lot of rich kids? Yeah, that, yeah. So, like, how would how would you like see their parents show up at like parent teacher day, or they drop them off from school, or would you go to their house? Uh, well, let's say you go to someone's house and they have a Spanish housekeeper, and you see how the man treats his female Spanish housekeeper. Oh, you go hang out and you see how the the wife speaks to. The people they work with around the house because they have ah. workers, they have gardeners. They Are these have... white people or do- just mixed or doesn't matter? The school was probably 90% white. So you were at white kids' houses a lot too? And uh, there, there were other kids there. There's a yeah. Japanese. Oh, in situations like that, all the non white people then kind of also find each other if their parents are cool with it so i hung out with the japanese kid oh, i hung out with I the kid see. who's from the united arab emirates i hung out oh. with the kids who, oh that's great yeah that sounds like a really good environment but anyway so back to that so you saw um how people treated like people that work for them and stuff like that and how they spoke to each other in their families like how they put their grandparents in nursing homes and never went to visit them how the parents yelled on their kids and cursed them out how the kids cursed out their parents wow i mean all this internal conflict that people like there are people who are like oh white people are so happy i've i'll never say that (laughs) i'll never say that oh if you're rich you don't have any problems i'll never say that oh well your life would be better if your dad was there i'll never say that (laughs) So what was, so was your, so by contrast, I'm assuming that you guys all got along pretty well. Now I'm really jealous. I'm really jealous of that because my family, my, yeah, I, yeah, uh, you know, I, 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 I had, I, yeah, I'm still really mad at my parents, even though they're both dead. I'm not giving it up. I'm holding on to that anger. I'm forever. It's not going any, I've, whatever. Uh, but did you, were things really nice? Were your, I mean, you're what I'm imagining is you had a pretty loving, um, supportive home. Is that right? I think. Was it perfect? Damn no, it! No, 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 no. So many things overlap. So, my grandfather died of prostate cancer and was living in our house. So I had to watch that and saw mm-hmm. that. Uh, my grandmother died of Alzheimer's, so I watched her forget uh, everyone in the family. My great-grandmother lived with us, and I watched wow. her, and she forgot everyone in the family, couldn't uh, walk, broke her hip. Um, by having so much responsibility, my mother had a great deal of pressure. Uh, she was helping to take care of three elders, watching her parents die, trying to raise me while I was being rebellious, mm, and that can lead to a lot of conflict. And mm, in the social scenarios I was in, I'm in a black neighborhood, white school. No matter where I am, I don't fit in. In the mm. white school, why is your hair like pubic hair? It's not. <laughs> it's not. This is not what my pubic hair is like on top of my head. My pubic <laughs> hair is actually different than what the hair is on top of my head. <laughs> People being like, why are you different? I'm not different. Y'all are different. Everyone in my neighborhood's like me. Y'all are the different ones. Right. And that creates an internal conflict. And sure. so me sorting out my identity was really difficult when I was young. Yeah. And I got picked on because yeah. I wasn't at my school. There were tended to be the one or two black guys it was all male school the one Mm -hmm. or two black guys that were athletes the one or two black guys whose parents were super rich and then there'd be one or two people like me where we tested in our families weren't poor but we weren't rich we weren't going to aspen we Mm -hmm. weren't going to Vail. we weren't going to tell you ride and 
finding that niche was difficult. So I got mm-hmm. bullied in my neighborhood because I then hung out and dressed like some of the white kids or I skateboarded or I listened right. to Poison and Van Halen. Right, right. And so that made it um, more personally mm-hmm. difficult in terms mm-hmm. of finances. We never had a lot of money because, you know, when you have three people who are dying, the yeah, medical system, yeah. no, they will take I'll... all the money you have. Oh, I know, I you know? know, no, that's a lot of pressure. And so, uh, so I'm, I am blessed and lucky, and I feel like I have a responsibility to give opportunities to people who weren't raised like me. Mm-hmm. My, uh, my mother though is tough. She is hardcore. She is a square, square, square. Mm-hmm. She doesn't drink. She doesn't smoke weed. She doesn't party. She doesn't go out. She is not into entertainment. She is so like, she's not super religious. So it's very difficult to please her. Her standards are very high. Is she, is she, um, yeah, I was going to say, so she's not, she's not religious, but is she just a very disciplined person or what do you think she got that from? Were your, were your grandparents hard on her or do you think, what do you think it is? Yes. My family is, is very old school, like conservative black people. Like your, your point of your life is, you go to work, you take care of your family, you handle your responsibilities. The idea of like fun and self-actualization mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, self-identity mm-hmm. and expert they don't if, if my so, grandparents were alive, they would laugh at contemporary culture and be yeah. like, "What?" So what does your mother think of your lifestyle now? Confused. Supportive but confused. But but like what does that mean? Is she just did how do you feel about it? Do you feel like she has she been has she been to any of your events which I you know, I wish I want to go to some. I mean, we'll talk about that. We can talk about that, but because um, I like the most outrageous, I like to be in the most outrageous environments that I can be. But usually before eleven at night, <laughs> I've always been this way, even in my twenties. So, uh, but I would say that my impression—you've had nude weekends, and I'm sure there's all sorts of crazy shit. So, has your mom been to any of these things? No, my mom doesn't go out. So she's seen me perform because we scheduled something at our house so that she could watch me. Um, and I try to read her my stuff. She can't follow it. She says rap is too fast. I use words and metaphors that confuse her. With the photography, she likes the fact that I document culture and I document people that aren't normally reflected mm-hmm. back to society. Mm-hmm. The thing she likes the most is seeing people smile in photos. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. she likes that when I shoot parties, I get people having a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to the nudism, very confusing. Why would people, mm-hmm. her, her question is, why would anyone come to a show to watch you rap naked? <laughs> why would anyone themselves get naked and roll around on the floor? But instead of saying it's bad, she just chalks it up to, I don't understand it. So do you think which is a pretty big, uh, pretty big, um, you know, take on it for her, right? Pretty generous. Very uh, for for her background, yes. yes. So, I mean, how do you feel about that? Do you feel like you would like to? I mean, here's what I'm imagining, and I I could be wrong. I mean, I maybe I'm pro- have nothing to do with right or wrong, but I wonder if. Um, you would like to get her approval, and if that's really hard, and if it influences you, your desire for her approval, is there anything in that? How do you deal with that? You want her I, to be proud of you. When I was younger, that was more difficult. And in certain areas, I stopped trying to impress people, including my mother, including mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. in society. And there's mm-hmm. the reality of who and what I am. And we've both come to better understanding of what that is and better comfort with that. So I believe that my mom is proud of what I'm doing. I don't Mm -hmm. think she understands it in the same way if I had been a professor Mm -hmm. and wrote a certain type of book. Mm -hmm. But 
I don't necessarily know that that's either of our life plan. And so there's no issue. Mm-hmm. Um, How often do you see her now? Not frequently at all. I, I saw her last month. It's her birthday. And so like a couple times a year? Yeah. Do you talk to her on the phone or whatever? Yeah, yeah right. Re- relatively right. frequently. We're not like every day. But like once or twice a week? Yeah, around that, yeah. So you guys are pretty pretty in touch. Yeah. Do you feel close to her? In certain ways. But being away, no. I mean, like I'm, I'm not there. Right. Um, but my mother's also not a emotionally expressive person. So uh, you see how we've had this conversation yeah. and you've asked me to reflect on things and I've actually thought about a bunch of it before and so it's right. easy to discuss. Right. Yeah. My mom would look at you and be like, What? Like what uh, do you mean? Like what what and so if you ask her like, What are you thinking about this? She'll be like, um, if I have to go to Walmart, I leave at this time, I have to do this, you make a list, mm-hmm. you blah, blah, blah. If you're like, no, 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 but how are you feeling about your life? She'll be like, what? I don't, I'm alive. Like, stop. Like, what are you talking about? Like, she, so we right. have- she, she just isn't programmed that way. Yeah. I was going to ask you if she ever dated anybody or had, I mean, or had a boyfriend or something, but I'm, I'm hearing probably not. You're correct. So does that make you, I mean, I, I don't know how you feel about that. I kind of feel- I feel sad. I wanted her to have some more fun. What do you? How do you feel about that? My mother is the type of person, at least in my mind, that I believe that if there is anything she would have wanted in the world, she would have gone for it. And ah. I do not have any feeling that she um, she's never said anything to me, and I've never picked up on anything uh-huh. that she was happier in relationships that's not what i'm right she was never pining like oh back when you and your father back before because she had been married she lived in germany oh she was Uh, already married yeah when she Uh, finished law school she married her uh another student from school who had just finished and they moved to germany and he was a jag lawyer and she worked a jag lawyer military justice oh okay um and Mm -hmm. so and she worked in the stockades and trying to stop the imbalance and disproportion in sentencing and that she got there and realized, wow, black people only make up 15% or 20% of the military force here, yet there's 60% of the stockades. So either they're the worst people ever or they are being tried, sentenced, and treated differently than the white people. So she immediately went out there and started getting involved in that. Um, and so she had been married. So I've, I've never... Oh, had... yeah. So this is just... She's, she's, she's actually like really made her life... Uh, pretty meaningful to the planet at large. I think so. Yeah. So, so like, she probably doesn't worry about sweat the details. Yeah. <laughs> I think if you've made a difference in the way like she has, probably as a lawyer in her capacity, you know, you probably just go with that and think, like, yeah, well, I'll just stay home and watch TV tonight. That's, yeah, that's fine. That's exactly. I mean, she also worked so much when she was yeah. raising me. She was working as a professor mm-hmm. and she was running an agency mm-hmm. called Office of Employee Appeals. And so it was helping people who had been fired unjustly. Mm. Um, and so she's contributed so much. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I literally yeah, know I get people it. She who must would be... have been homeless, but they stayed no, with us. No, I get it. They... She's, she must be a brilliant woman, I'm guessing, right? That was very difficult growing up. You can't lie. I don't. It's impossible to get anything past her. She's because, an attorney. She's uh, smart. And she's used to people bullshitting her all the time. Uh, and so she can read it coming a mile away. Uh, <laughs> 
And so, yeah, she, she's one. So she's what about, um, I was going to, that leads perfectly into what I was going to ask you about, which is you said that you were rebellious as a as a kid, a teenager, or whatever. I wanted to hear a little more about that. What happened? What What do you mean by that? What What was that like? I was the type of kid where I draw on the wall. Your parent says, don't draw on the wall. I draw on the wall. What mm-hmm. else am I supposed to do? I have crayons. There's a wall. It's big as fuck. I have these things in my brain I need to get out. And then the parent <laughs> says, look, you draw on the wall one more time, you're getting spanked. And I look at it like, well, it's a spanking worth the drawing. You really thought you'd remember thinking that. Yeah. And, and I, would, I, would, I would literally weigh it out. Like, what am I about to do? I know I'm going to get beat afterwards. Is it worth it? And uh, my mom didn't, like, beat me like when people think about no, on TV. Like, I, but no, nah, um, my, my grandfather made her a paddle so she wouldn't hurt her hand. Aww. I got beat with belts, paddles. Aww. But it was always, you know you're not supposed to draw on the wall. You did it for the fourth time. Go get the paddle. And so it was never out of anger. I never got, I think only once I got slapped. And it was because I, did I curse at my mom? I called her a name. I don't remember, but. Nigger. Uh, oh, I bad. said it. Oh, no. Yeah, that's not what, <laughs> I, I called her a bad name until I got slapped. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of like discipline, I understood consequence. And I still would do things that brought on that consequence. And so that didn't just happen as a teenager or like kind of going against your parents. I was programmed the, little like the level of rationality in your in your family that I'm understand if I'm understanding correctly is just stunning to me because what you described is your mother's not losing control and like slapping you. It sounds like she was just like, Okay, now you're getting paddled, go get the paddle. Is that what I, is that what happened there? Yeah. Is that what I'm getting? Like not because, like, you know, for example, my mother would be, like, out of control, furious, and smack me, you know, um, uh, spank me, you know, and I get, like, a red hand outline, mm-hmm. which your mom didn't have. So it just sounds like there was a lot of, and also, you seem really crazy rational as a child. I'm imagining you're four or five, maybe. <laughs> and you're, like, thinking, drawing on the wall, and then I'll get beat. Okay, I'll do that. So, you know, do you see what I'm saying? Your family sounds ridiculously rational to me. Do do you know what I'm saying? I'm also a good presenter. What does that mean? I mean, my family's just as crazy as everyone else is. My my cousin is schizophrenic and has been for a while. Oh, that's true. And um, was, like, brilliant. Like, back in whatever, 80-something, when it's all even more skewed, he scored, like, a 1,500 on the SATs. Wow. Scholarship engineering, went out to Berkeley for his PhD. Mm. um, And then... Came back unhinged. And then over the next yeah. 10 years, we found out what was going on. And he's been living with it the past 15 mm. years. My other aunt was born with Down syndrome. My oh, grandparents wow. wouldn't admit it when she was first <laughs> born. Sorry, that's not my, funny. Nah, that's what I'm These are old school black people where they are like, they wouldn't no, admit that you my have child Down syndrome? is perfect. We don't believe y'all. My child is perfect. God will make everything right. And after yeah, that whole God thing. a year or two, they realized they needed, uh, you know, additional help. Um, but my aunt lived in the house the majority of of her childhood. And then at a certain point, when my grandparents started getting older. You know, we involved the state and she's in the yeah, house right. now. But she's like That's 60 sick. something. She's like one of the oldest people <laughs> with like Down syndrome in D.C. Um, and so my family then has things to deal with. Like when you have a cousin who is six foot three, 220 pounds. When he starts hearing voices and things start happening, you can't call the police. They might shoot him. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. But I don't you can't even imagine. Let him go yeah. crazy in the house. No, I know. I you mean, know? I know. Yeah, schizophrenia. A lot of really smart people. I mean, it, the yeah, that's a calm. It's 
definitely happens to a lot of very smart yeah. people. And um, that's a really genetic... I think that's a pretty strong genetically... You know, it's not like anything... You can't even... I don't think environment plays that much, from my opinion. It, environment isn't even that uh, prominent in schizophrenia. It's like genetics more than anything. That's, so you feel like your family already... Your mom had a, already had to manage so much that she was she always calm. Is she always calm? No, my mom's an intense person like me. She's not like a uh, like like I'm saying lose her cool type of uh, mm-hmm. intense. But my mom yells. My mom's is quick to get like upset and frustrated. Mm-hmm. It's very direct in how she communicates with people, mm-hmm. and is not really she doesn't wear kid gloves. Mm-hmm. You know, but she's also not a mean person, so she's right. not the type of person I would ever be like. You're dumb, right? You know, you're you're a little shit. Right. You know that my mom didn't talk like that, but she would if when I was lying. She was like, you know what? You want to lie? I will. You will then become a person I distrust. You will become a person in my life that I have to. Wow. And 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 so that's even worse. Like she put. Wow. She's, she's not her yelling and screaming and being mean where I could blame her. She was giving me the truth of. Wow. This is what's going to have to happen if you continue to behave so like that. So those are really fucking high, crazy high standards that she embodied. How do you deal with that? You... She's like, she's like, in, she's like almost flawless. I don't know. I'm it intimidated. Is it? it? That must be really up. hard. It's like she's too good to be true. I mean, not really, but you know what I mean? Like that's too good. Like she's just. God, that no, must but been I mean, ho- again, we we had regular family issues. Like you're 12, and you, you know, you mm-hmm. feel like your parents don't listen to you. Or yeah, like, right, of course. You, the the mm-hmm. her. I think <clears throat> the biggest challenge we had was the idea in her mind, my grandparents' mind, in the world of conservative black people, of what a child is supposed to become and and what the life path is. Mm-hmm. And even now, they are trying to accept I am doing normalcy. Right. When I started doing art and music, it was like, yeah, well, this is the time in your life to basically go fuck around. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't fucking around. I was deciding to take my life in a certain direction. Mm-hmm. That's been the biggest challenge is that yeah, when I, I grew my hair that. out, they oh, aren't yeah. the family that's like, oh, cool. We like your dreads. They're like, every time I come to the office, like, really? Are you going to cut your hair? My coworkers oh. say something. Who cares what your coworkers say? Oh, they do. You know? Yeah. And so it's like, you, you didn't wear a button up shirt when you came to my office? No. But don't do you, do you, you yeah, but I could sort of see her point a little bit. But did you ever go through like a uh, drug and alcohol? <laughs> uh, you, no, I know. Your hair is red. Like you're not fitting the normal social convention, you know? Oh, I, oh, I, uh, no. I mean, the normal, I tried. I really did, but I don't have it in me. I just yeah. can. I did. I mean, I got rejected by that, that, all that stuff. But so did you ever go through like a drug and alcohol thing when you were like in high school or college? Any of that? Yeah, well, it depends on who you ask. My mom looks at all of those things as really bad, so I got caught smoking weed. She acted like I was in on high real school. Drug. Yeah, that must have blown her mind. Yeah, well, we talked about it, and and it, I explained that it wasn't what she thought it was. She'd only smoked weed twice, three times in her life, and she freaked out about it. I got sent to counseling and I had mm-hmm. to take drug tests. Mm-hmm. And by by senior year, I was more overt, overt in saying like, stop. Like, I'm only going to be living here for another however many months. We should not fight all the time over something I don't do around you. I'm not, you know, involved in the drug world. I'm not selling mm-hmm. drugs, whatever right, else. Right, right. Um, and it wasn't until maybe 
after college when we could have real grown conversations. And now that weed's decriminalized in D.C., mm-hmm. it's oh. totally not an issue. Mm-hmm. And she's never seen me drunk. I don't do other drugs. I've never sniffed cocaine. I've never done right. MDMA. I've never done ecstasy, Adderall, right. any of that stuff. Right. So we don't right. have to have drug and alcohol conversations right. like that. Right. You know? Did you ever, like, cut school or... You know, and you, so you weren't really a bad kid. Yeah, I was in the sense of you tell me don't, don't wear that. I wear it. Please wear this. I don't want to uh. study this time, this day. Do this homework. No. Mm-hmm. Um, do these after school programs. Maybe if I like it. So wow. So we're gonna have to finish up soon. Do you know we only have eight minutes left? Can you believe? How I fast know, and we didn't get to talk about our orgy. Jesus. Oh well, you know that'll we'll have it and talk about it after after it happens. But you know, it's really interesting because I'm starting to also wonder about issues of control for you with people uh, and maybe women. Do you have any girlfriends? Have you had any long? Are you? Do you have a girlfriend? Do you have a relationship? Ooh, how am I going to answer this? Where's your girlfriend right now? I do not have a girlfriend. I I actually moved to New York. Great, in <laughs> in, in 2008. I bet the girls really go for you, right? You could no, yeah, no. I don't have a job. I am unkempt. I don't wear the clothes that most people would who are like my age. And I am married to art and music. Yeah, totally, maybe. I yeah, wake you're up married to art and music. music. I get that. I go to sleep doing it. Um, and so, but I have been in long-term relationships. I dated the same person for five or six years, moved yeah. back to New York to be with them. We lived together. We were talking about getting engaged, getting married. And we had grown apart and it changed and it kind of, the fighting got bad and her, for in my mind, there were some substance issues that I couldn't uh-huh. deal with. And um, now I have been dating the same person for like four or five years in an open relationship. Um, we work together. We do events together. to who I have the magazine with. Um, but you both, you both are polyamorous, or whatever, you, whatever you. She doesn't call. like the titles. It's it's yeah. No one likes those stupid titles. We're, we're honest with each other, and so she knows mm-hmm. I'm not interested in being in a monogamous mm-hmm. relationship right now. Do you do you think she wants to be? I haven't seen that, and she's been married also, and so yeah. she's also she's my age. Again, I'm 38, so yeah. she's done the, you know, meet someone, fall she's in had love, the boyfriend thing, get married. Yeah. That goes somewhere sideways. Uh-huh. And you- then now with me, I think she is having an experience of, let's just see what we enjoy in each yeah. other. Like, if at some point it bothered her um, that I was hanging out with other women, she would tell me. They're, uh, they're, they're women she cool. has met, or not met, that she's seen, and it's like, that girl likes you, you like her or something, y'all fooling around, and I'm like, yeah. She's like, I don't like that. And we talk about it, and, mm-hmm. you know, usually... Mm-hmm. It ends up in a scenario we're both comfortable with, and there there are That's times good. where yeah, you know she she has clearly stated that she's hung out with guys or has dated guys and certain issues slept that come with up. other guys yeah, and you're cool you don't like it I'm sure or you I mean that would be natural but you're cool with that. I can't say I dislike the idea you mm-hmm. know like I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not asking I'm not telling her to go fuck people mm. but. I'm Jesus, not... I was kidding about you sleeping with me and my husband, but maybe uh, now that I... <laughs> um, but yeah. anyway... Um... But I throw kink parties. She knows about oh, it. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I'm, I'm involved kind oh, of in okay. a bondage scene in certain ways. Oh, okay. And she's not, so oh, like... okay. Yeah. Um, okay, I got it. And she's primed differently. Like, she's a very erotic and sexual person and very passionate. Right. But she also really connects with people emotionally and, like, intellectually. 
and in the contemporary dating world, there's not a lot of that. Yeah. That, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, no, I got it. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. and so, I mean, I think that's more of it. If if uh-huh. And we've talked about the difference. If either one of us got in an emotional relationship with someone else, that would probably cause us more of a conflict got than it. if she goes yeah. out and, and wants to. Yeah, that makes know. sense. That makes sense. But as your shrink, uh, uh, as your pretend shrink for the last hour, I would say that uh, I would be worrying about you um, or not worrying, but I would say there, an obstacle for you might be that you feel women are controlling of you. Every person's controlling of me. You feel rebellious against the whole the whole planet. Yeah, it's it's not just women. Yeah. Yeah, and th- so maybe that's some reason why. I mean, not that you need to be in a relationship to be happy, but that might be something that makes you not comfortable with a certain level of a relationship. I mean, this that's a whole another hour. I'm an unfit relationship partner. I oh. I I feel guilty when I'm in relationships because I'm not giving my partner the time they deserve. Ah. I'm not able to give them the attention they deserve. I expect things of them that are unreasonable for most people. And mm-hmm. I kept trying to fight those things and when I got into a place of I don't want a monogamous relationship, I don't want anything. Let's just hang out. Let's see okay. how it develops. That makes sense. 4 minutes. What do you imagine having like your future look like cuz it's I'm trying to imagine this at you in ten years. I, I have no and idea. And then also, we want to talk. We want to talk about what you have coming up because you're really involved in an art space. Or yeah. tell us about it. Tell us about it. So you don't really. Ima- it's when it's how things evolve into the next thing, right? Is that how you see your life right yeah. now? Yeah, now, that's there, cool. I get that. There are particular things I'm interested in. We need to own a satellite. And when I say we, that means me and the creative minds that want to work with me and can get up this money to do it. But we need to own the distribution platform. We need to be able to get ah. our content to whoever ah. wants to get it. So that's more than just having a channel. That's more ah. than just having a YouTube page or a Facebook page. We need to have the ah. cabling, the wires, the metal machinery, the satellites, the towers, and be able ah. to facilitate this information exchange Not all just even a radio station. You want to go bigger. I like that. Yeah, yeah. So tell me what's going on. What do you, what, what well, about this there, art space? <laughs> to yeah. get there, I'm starting with Music, art, and gathering people together who are like-minded. So we have an art space in Greenpoint called Gamba Forest. Uh, Melissa and I run the magazine called Gamba Zine. We started doing events to bring out They're awesome. Readers. I've been to a couple. They are really special events. Yeah. I totally am, love being there. And so now we have an art space, and so we showcase visual art. We do screenings. We have live mm-hmm. shows, discussions, mm-hmm. and we just want it to be like a community mm-hmm. space for us facilitating exchange and information and education and get away from nighttime club bar alcohol oh. only like that's not the only oh, space for parties. art and music yeah like oh, if, okay for old people like me and and, and for younger people <laughs> no like, but i know? yeah yeah i mean i'm not a like i'm just not a late night person yeah. um we do go late there though and we can do whatever we want that's why we have it so you guys have a space in greenpoint and where is it and how would we find out about it Look us up. It's if you find Gamba Zine online, G A M B. I can post it on yep, my Facebook. Post it up there. Um, we have all the information. We're doing an artist residency. So if you're from around the world and you want to come to New York and have a space to work and live and meet other artists, put together a show for you. There's a whole like list of things mm-hmm. we do. Check us out. If you're an event planner and you need a home for something that's cultural, that's community, mm-hmm. especially we're looking to work with women and people of color and mm-hmm. people who have had their voices muted, if not silenced. Mm-hmm. Um, is the place open all the time? Is there an address? 
I don't want to give out the address. Oh, uh, okay, cool. Yeah, oh. But it's it's we have to be there. It's only when we're there. It's a very private so it's oh facility. oh okay. It's not like it's a storefront thing. No, no, no. no. Okay. This is like our cool. So they should space. really try and get involved in something or go to an event. Yeah, like that's tomorrow what we night, should really do. We have a screening for Brooklish. He's uh, dropping a music video, and then our first resident Harriet. She's staying here from London. It's her Ooh. last night, so we're doing a going away party. Oh, nice. Then Saturday we're doing a cannabis culture day. So if yeah. you're interested in information exchange, learning about CBD oils, edibles, and what's going on with legislation, uh, you can come check us out. Dr. Lisa gives a shit.